All right, well, let's get jumped right into this. We're going to pick up where we left off last week as we've been in this series, the alternate reality. And we've been looking at it from what, what, how we should look at the world and what lens we should see things through. And it always goes back to Scripture. Scripture is the basis of everything that we do and everything that we believe. Without the Scriptures that God has left for us, we would have no way to verify any claim about God, any truth claim that is out there. Without having the Scriptures, we'd have no idea what we can expect from God, how He's going to move, what His will is, all of these other things that we say. Otherwise, it's just a matter of opinion. And, and as we've gotten into this a little bit, we've been kind of turning our focus here to some of the last words of Jesus before He left the earth. In John chapter 14, verse 15, He says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, Jesus is talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. And as I said, oftentimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we have ideas of who He is, but we don't treat Him like He is someone, but a thing, a power, a force. The third member of the Trinity. We don't treat Him like He's God. And it was so imperative to the life of Jesus. And that's what we, we looked at a few weeks ago is, as the prophecies, as the prophets were led by the Holy Spirit, they, they spoke what God gave them. And how John the Baptist and his parents were all full of the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit was involved with his conception. And from the moment of his baptism, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, that's when he started his ministry. That's when he started the miracles. And every part of his ministry and his life on earth was through the power of the Holy Spirit. His death was through the power of the Holy Spirit. His resurrection was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it even says that after he had resurrected, he's getting ready to leave, the commandments he gave to his disciples through the Holy Spirit. And I know I keep saying this, but if it's good enough for him, that'll be good enough for us. But what does that mean? And what does that look like? And how does he interact with us? And how is he a part of our life? Well, we see in chapter 16 of John, in verse 5, it says, But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I will tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart... I will send him to you. Who will send him? Jesus will. But those words, it is to your advantage. How many of y'all would just kind of like have Jesus around for a day or two? Just hang out, ask a few questions. Be like, what was it like? What do I do? What stock should I buy? That'd be all right too, right? And he's saying it's to their advantage. Now, imagine, if you will, after spending three years with this man, seeing the miracles and the words and all the things, and you're like, okay. And even at the end, they're like, okay, so are you setting up your kingdom now? Is it going to be today? Can I sit at your right hand? Can I sit at your left hand? Like, they weren't ready for him to disappear. And he's like, no, no, no. I know this has been fun. It's been cool and all and whatnot, but it's better that I leave. Like, imagine that. You see, the church today... He's tried to receive the benefits of God, but we don't want God. You see, there they wanted Jesus. Jesus, don't leave us. We need you. We can't do this without you. Even when Jesus said, listen, I'm going to die, but I'm coming back. They're like, no, you're not. You're not going to die. We'll stop him. Peter pulls out the sword, cuts off uh, the dude's ear, trying to stop him. It's not going to happen. Jesus had this whole thing planned out. God had this whole thing planned out from the very beginning. All of this was laid out in advance, and yet here they are. They just wanted Him, His presence, to be with Him. What benefit did they get 
for being associated with Jesus. On this earth, not a lot. If you showed that video a few weeks ago, if you didn't see it, you need to follow the Babylon Bee. It'll bless your heart, and it may get you saved. I don't know, but just throwing that out there. But I mean, that's the thing. Every one of them gave up their lives for what Jesus had done because of the resurrection. And what are we seeing there? That is the power of God. The resurrection. That doesn't just happen. You see, they weren't in there acting like we act. They weren't saying, God, give me all your blessings, all your benefits, but just kind of stay over there. We read this in Psalm 103, verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, when David wrote that, was it true? Yeah. Did it stop being true? No, it's still true. These are the benefits of God. It's because of who He is. You see, when we see these things and what took place, something transformed the apostles. We started by looking at Peter, and we've gone through the book of Acts a little bit. But Peter denied Jesus. Three times in a row, he just said, I don't know him, I'm not with him, because he was trying to save his own life. And then after Acts chapter 2, all of a sudden, he is bold. He stands up after the Holy Spirit comes upon them and says, these aren't drunk as you suppose. You know what, folks? Many of the people that were there, because this is Pentecost, every able-bodied male Jew had to come back for that festival. And they may have been the same folks that took Jesus off, that have been a part of that, that watched the crucifixion, the very same people that he was afraid to confess in front of because they might take his life, and now he's standing up in front of them. This is what was prophesied. And he goes into this entire history lesson of how you rejected him. And this Jesus that you killed. But God raised him up for your salvation. See, he was a new man when he was baptized in the Spirit. He preaches and 3,000 people get saved. In. And then shortly thereafter, as he's walking into the temple at the hour of prayer, there's a man sitting there. He can't walk, hasn't ever walked. He's asking for money. Peter says, I don't have any. But here's what I've got for you. Reaches down in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He stands up, gets the attention of everybody. Sadducees didn't like that. Sanhedrin didn't like that. They couldn't deny the miracle. But we're just going to threaten him. Not to speak in that name. We're going to let you go. Because something had happened. But not speak in that name. And we see time and time again. That it says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. We fast forward in, in a little deeper into the book of Acts and we see time and time again where they prayed and the Holy Spirit came in them. And when they were looking for deacons, they looked for men who were full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And then we see the miracles that took place with Philip. And we see the actions that took place with Stephen, all of which was with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we could go on and on and do nothing but read the book of Acts and be absolutely amazed. But what if they had acted like we act? Where? We want to show up on Sunday. We want God's benefits. We talk about all the things. Most of our worship songs today are more about us than they are God. What if they had acted like we had? We wouldn't be here. The gospel would have never have spread. The power of God needs to be normalized. We've gotten away from this. The words that David said that forget not his benefits, 
He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. You know how big all is? It's all. And that was under a covenant that's not as good as the one that you and I are in. And yet we're like shocked if God does something, performs a miracle, something takes place. We are shocked. But it was so important for these men that the last thing that Jesus said to them is, I want you to wait. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 4. It says, And being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard from Me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now watch at their response, okay? Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now look how nice this sounds. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times of the season the Father has put in his authority. That really is saying, like, would y'all shut up and pay attention to what I'm saying? Because what are they focused on? What they want. Look at verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Was that a true statement? So when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they received power. Now we see at the end of John that as Jesus walked into the room, he sat down with them, he breathed on them, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. So they either had it or they didn't. John was either confused or he wasn't. Or maybe these things are different things. But the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, God is all-powerful. You agree? It doesn't matter. Because it doesn't change his character. Is God all-knowing? Absolutely. Do you agree? Still doesn't matter. You see, we like to interject our opinion on who God is, but it really doesn't make any difference because your opinion of who God is doesn't change who God is. He is who He is. Look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 6, and it says, I And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. If you have word of the day toilet paper, there's a chance omnipotent might show up on it. That was a joke. Stay with me. It's early. I know. I mean, think about this. Omnipotent? How many times do you use that word? Not many. And we know what it means, but we don't think about it. The word omnipotent means having unlimited power and able to do anything. Does that describe God? Where do we get that word? Revelation 19. We're not making it up. The scriptures claim that God is all-powerful. So if that's true, should we not expect the power of God to move? But do we? No. Now let me ask you something. Think about this. When you talk about all-powerful God, God created everything out of nothing. It's the term ex nihilo. Out of nothing, He created everything. That's pretty dang powerful. There was nothing... And he created something. You know we can't do that. We have to start with something. I don't think you guys understand. Nothing means no things. There was nothing. Think of your teenager's brain, okay? No things are going on up there. He had the power to create. Only an all-powerful God could do that and establish the worlds and the universe the way that they are. Because they are fine-tuned. It baffles scientists. They've got a lot of excuses for it. They ain't figured it out. The origin of life. You take something dead 
and you make it alive. We can't do that. Don't believe some of the, the papers that came out. They came out with something to science called the Hicks-Boson experiment a few years ago where they created this, this life form in the lab. They put this goo and that goo together and made a bigger goo and it had life and all of that. The problem was is the things that they did in order to do that actually, if it was life, would have killed it immediately because it couldn't have lived. Now, here's the thing that we don't think about. We hear that, and the atheists are like, oh my gosh, look, we can create life from nothing. You know what created that, if it were true? Intelligence. You started with intelligence. You started with the goose, the beakers, the heat. You start with nothing. Nothing is nothing. Aristotle says nothing is what rocks dream about. This is an omnipotent God. And then you've got the whole thing with the flight from Egypt. Now imagine, they are in bondage. They're, in, they're enslaved to Egypt. And here comes Moses. Okay? Wasn't exactly well liked. He kind of got run off a little bit by his own people. And he says, hey, uh, I'm going to get you out of here. Now how many of you think believed him? At least in day one. Probably not a lot. But when those plagues began to come down against the gods of Egypt, one by one, probably started to convince them a little bit. And then he said this crazy thing. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to take a lamb. Okay? And you're going to kill the lamb. You're going to take that blood and you're going to apply it to your doorposts. And as the angel of death comes through, if he sees that, he will pass over your house. But if it's not there, you're firstborn. In fact, I got a phone call just this week from somebody who recently has given their life to Christ. He's like, man, I was watching this documentary the other night, and it was talking about the ten plagues and explaining how, like, there are naturalistic explanations, and they weren't trying to disprove that God was involved. All they were saying is that, like, yeah, look, we can prove that this truly happened. And talking about it wasn't really water to blood, but it was volcanic ash, and it made it look red and all this other stuff. I said, okay, that's cool. I said, but now we're eliminating the supernatural component. What goes forward who kills only firstborn and not secondborn? He's like, well, I didn't think about that one. And I'm a firstborn, so I thought about that one, okay? I've thought that through. You see, we have no explanation. But here it is, this angel passes over every house that had the application of the blood. It wasn't enough to kill the lamb. It wasn't enough to eat the lamb. You had to apply the blood. And then they come out, and what do they do? They go through the Red Sea on dry land, and it closes in behind them. That's a pretty powerful God. It got the attention of the world. God references that event time and time and time again. It got the attention of all those around that were the enemies of the people of God. It got their attention. Why? Because Yahweh, He's powerful. And then you get the power over death. The resurrection of Jesus. Jesus proved he was God by the raising of Lazarus on the fourth day. We talked about that. I don't want to go into all of that. But he proved he was God. That's all powerful. See, we don't understand how life started. We also don't understand why we die. Because why does life end? It doesn't make any sense. We have an explanation. But from a natural standpoint, we have no idea. It's because sin entered the world. And so what do we do with this? How about we get back to normalizing this omnipotent, all-powerful, benevolent God that we have? Look at Psalm chapter 66. Verse 5. It says, Come and see the works of God. 
He is awesome in his doing towards the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. They will rejoice in him. He rules by his power forever. His eyes observing the nations do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. How does he rule? By his power. And it's talking about how he brought them through on dry land. And it says, come and see the mighty works of God. Man, what if we said that? What if we said, come and see the mighty works of God? What do we do? We go to try to find the mighty works of God. You see, God did not change. He did not become less powerful because now we have a Bible. And because we're in a new covenant. As you saw as we began to look through the book of Acts time and time again, it was about the power of God. It wasn't just the message of the cross. And that's crucial. But the power of God confirms the words of God. And when you deliver the words of God, the accompanying signs should follow, demonstrating the power of God. Because there are things that happen that just don't make sense in this world. Look at Acts chapter 10. Verse 36. It says, The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. Now stop. Did Jesus do miracles because he was the Son of God? No. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That was his mission. We have people today that are oppressed by the devil. Does Jesus not have the power to heal them? To perform the same way that he did then? But how does he do it today? Through you and I. His imager. His representative. On this earth. Who stretches out his hand to heal. Go on here. Verse 39, and we are witnesses of all things which he both did in the land and the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to judge of the living and of the dead to him all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes him will receive remissions of sins you see this is the gospel it is the power of God but yet when we talk about the power of God we're kind of like sitting waiting maybe and I don't know I don't know if it's going to happen we have no idea look how bold Peter was stand up Reach down. Hold him. You and I. You should stand up and let me know how that works out for you. We'll be praying for you, brother. There's no expectation. Because we don't believe it. And that's the thing. We have to get back to normalizing the power of God and an expectation that God is who He said He is. You see, we're not pulling this out of thin air. This isn't an experiential thing. It's because this is who God has revealed Himself as the omnipotent, creator, all-powerful, all-knowing, saving God. Greater than anything that has ever come. Nothing can stand up to Him. And you think about what salvation means? Taking something dead and giving it life. 
not taking something dirty and making it clean. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Have you experienced the power of God? You've been saved, you have. And guess what? We have no problem believing that one. No problem. In a world full of crazy ideas right now, most people you ask, are you going to heaven? What do they tell you? Yes, I am. The confidence. But how do we know? Comes back to the scriptures. You see, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Is that true? You ever preach the gospel to somebody? And like, so you're going to tell me that Jesus died, and all I have to do is I'm saying I'm sorry, and now I get to go to heaven. You ever had that conversation with somebody? I have. I've seen stuff going around recently like, okay, so Jesus died for your sin, but rose three days later. He didn't really die, he just gave up his weekend. It's kind of funny. But it's not true. Because it's foolishness. We don't get it. Look at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. What is the power of God? The gospel. Have we experienced the power of God? Absolutely. We were dead, now we're made alive. This is what they said. This is what Jesus said. You must be born again. That is the power of God. And then he made other claims. He said, Peter, guys, hang out in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on you because you'll be endued with power. Not one of them said, you just blew on us like the other day. What do you mean? Because they got it. We don't. John 14, verse 12, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Now there's a lot of debate around this passage. First of all, it says, he who believes in me. That's not believing that Jesus was on this earth, that he was God. That is irrelevant. You believe in one God, good, even the demons do, and they tremble. That's what James said. It's putting your faith in Him. So if you put your faith in Him, in other words, the power of God to salvation, for Him who believes in me, the works that I do, He will do also, and greater works than these He will do. So what should we expect? Greater works than these He will do. We should expect that. But we don't. Well, they just mean greater in volume. Because Jesus was only on this earth three times. Or for three years, excuse me. Okay, maybe. John says there was more miracles than they could even write down because it would fill the entire earth. But let's just assume for a minute that that's an accurate statement. That is just simply more in volume. Are you okay with that? Because I'm okay with that. What if we just did what he did? I'd be okay with that. Would you be okay with that? If we were going to settle. It doesn't sound so bad to me. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. You know who he's talking to? This is a toughie, okay? He who believes in him. It's kind of like in Mark 16 where it says, He who believes in me, these signs will follow him who believes. Who's him who believes? All the converts, the disciples that are being made. That is everybody in this room, I hope. All of us should have an expectation to walk into the power of God. Because why? He said so. Why don't we? Because we just don't expect it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Now some are puffed up, as though I were not coming to you. This is Paul talking. 
But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Is that a true statement? Paul confused. What power are we talking about? Well, one, you've got the power of God to salvation. See, that is the kingdom of God. When we are saved, we are now inside of the kingdom of God, so to speak. But it's not just the word. Because as you saw, as you've seen, as you read the book of Acts, that Paul would go in to the synagogues as soon as he rolled into any town. And he began to share the scriptures with them. Sometimes he'd do this for several weeks. Sometimes he'd do this for several months. But you know what else he did? He proved it. Let's just take my word for it. I know your rabbis have told you something different. I know they told you that you don't read these parts. And I know they've explained away this. But let me show you. He expected it. Peter expected it. Apparently Philip expected it. What was Philip doing? Walking down the road. Sees a eunuch. Stops a eunuch. You understand what you're reading? Nope. No clue. Okay, well let me explain. Explains Jesus from Isaiah 53. And then he disappears. Like we see miracle after miracle throughout the entirety of Scripture. We say, oh, I believe the Bible cover to cover. No, you don't. Because if you did, we'd be talking about this more. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor, of love, and patience, of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. How did it come? Well, not just by word. He didn't just stand up there and preach. And that's important. Like, don't discount the Scriptures. We would even know anything about God. We would know about the power of God and the Holy Spirit or any of these other things that we're talking about if it were not for the Scripture. That is the foundation of anything that we talk about. But he didn't just come to you with words. He came in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. So what was he doing? Put his money where his mouth is. He's the kind of guy that would reach down and say, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pull you up. He expected. It's powerful. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, we often discount this, but we've got to understand something. Paul was well-trained. He was a Pharisee. He was well-trained. And the ability to orate was something that they took great pride in. And many times that it would come into a town square and even into a synagogue is that they would bring this new teaching up and they would begin to declare it. And if it seemed to click with the people and it made more sense, they would leave their rabbi and follow him. And they would baptize him, or these people that would follow them, and now they would become disciples of Paul, as, as, as if I'm describing this. But he said, I didn't just come to you with persuasive words. I didn't just come here to convince you of something. I came here and I demonstrated the power of the Spirit. You see, it's one thing to make a claim. It's another thing to back it up. It's one thing for Jesus to say, listen, I'm going to die. It's been a great run. And that's a great story. If it had stopped there, 
we would be talking about this man named Jesus and the heroics behind it and the things and how he turned Jerusalem upside down. But that was where it would stop it if it wasn't for the fact that three days later he rose from the grave. It changed the world. The disciples would have gone about their life because they already kind of did, right? In three days, Jesus told them, I'm coming back. They're like, nah, I don't believe it. So they went about their life. You see, we have to get back to normalizing the power of God because there are things happening all around us. I'm hearing stories. I'm hearing testimonies. I'm hearing things all the time. See, it's not about you and I. It's about God. You see, when people are on mission for God, their life is on mission for God. It doesn't matter where they are, whether it's their job or maybe they own a business and they do it there. You guys realize that this friend of mine I was telling you about got saved because the manager at his business started sharing the gospel with him? He called me. This is the first long conversation we've had. As I told you, for 30 years I have shared the gospel with this man. He called me last week asking Bible questions. I still can't get past that. Because before, he was trying to show me all the contradictions of the Bible and how I'm an idiot. The latter half of that might be true. I don't know. And it's just weird. I'm just sitting there talking. We talked for two and a half hours. Question after question. Man. It's so, it's so, that's the power of God. And it started because his supervisor said, hey man, welcome to town. Let me invite you to church. His wife just got saved. Guess what that means for the kiddos? The entire family tree just got transformed because his supervisor didn't care about regulation. What if we acted like this stuff was true? What if we had no fear? What would happen? Look at Romans chapter 15. Verse 17, it says, Therefore I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus and the things which pertain to God, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. How did he do it? Mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God Christ has accomplished through him. What if we could say that? What if we got back on mission? What if the power of God was just a normal, everyday occurrence? Now, I've asked Jim to kind of share a little bit here. Most of you guys know Jim. All of you guys know Jim. We all love Jim. Jim, you come up. Uh, this is a man full of the Holy Spirit, full of power. And uh, he's a tremendous blessing, as is his wife. And uh, we're so grateful. So Jim's got a testimony, and whatever else the Lord's put on your heart, you share away. I've got you on. Let me see if you've got you All on. right. Hello. I'm on. Well, let's start off with, I just want to let Dave and Sharon know that the blessings of those ice cream trucks, I take very seriously. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we just give you thanks, Father. Father, we ask your blessing. We ask the Holy Spirit. We ask the power of God to be in this place this morning, Father. We just give you thanks, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You know, I just, uh, Pastor, just really been preaching hard up here this morning. And, and I just, I feel it so much just running off of us instead of sinking into us. You know, Jesus is real the Holy Spirit is real and they want to be real in your life 
They don't want to just be words that you hear up here. They want to be real. They want to walk. They want to move. They want to be real in your life. You know, we've been praying on Tuesday nights, and Tuesday nights when we come in here, the power of God has just been totally awesome. The last, the last two Tuesdays, it's just been amazing up here. Uh, the peace of God, the, the tranquility of God, the, the presence of God has just been totally awesome. Uh, I really truly believe in my heart that God is wanting to do something special in Grace Church. But, and, and God can do whatever he wants to do, but he really needs people involved with it because we are his body. You know, we can't sit back and just take a, a backseat role. He desires us to do the things that we need to do to help out. I'm going to share a couple of couple of instances that happened to me here lately. Uh, I consider them miracles, and I hope you do too. Uh, but about, I don't know, it's been a long time ago, but about 12 or 14 weeks ago, uh, and I'm not positive that this is what caused it, but I'm blaming it on it. But I had somebody at Fairfax give me a call and want me to insure a house for him. So I went over there, and I was walking across the yard to get some pictures of it. There was a light skim of snow on the ground. I didn't see a hole. I stepped in it. I went down, jumped up right quick, hoping nobody was looking. Uh, thank goodness I, I got by that. Uh, but anyway, probably, and it didn't happen right then, but probably about a week later, my left shoulder started just giving me fits and it went on for I don't know eight or ten weeks probably and I kept telling my wife you know I don't know she said you need to go to the doctor like good wife should you know directing you said you need to go to the doctor so finally I went to Dr. Carpenter and, and he said well let's give it two or three more weeks just to see what happens so it went by another two or three weeks and and in the meantime, one Sunday morning in here, Pastor was having people pray for people. And so I asked for, uh, raised my hand for prayers that Sunday, and, and some of them come up and laid hands and prayed on me. I wasn't healed then. Uh, but I, I still was trusting God for healing. And it, and it went by, that three weeks went by, and my shoulder wasn't getting any better. So I went to Doc Carpenter again. He sent me over to get a. Uh, an MRI on my shoulder and the next morning he called me and he said your shoulder's a mess uh, he said you got ligaments torn there you got muscles ripped in there uh, and he says I'm going to make an appointment to send you up to go to a orthopedic surgeon he says because if you're going to get mobility back in that shoulder you're going to have to have surgery on it so anyway he gave me the the disc with the pictures of the the or the shoulder on it, you know, to give to the orthopedic surgeon so they didn't have to take pictures again. And then they had the narrative written out there, which a lot of places in that narrative it says this muscle's tore really bad, this one's partially torn, you know, and so on. So anyway, that Friday morning I was talking to Paul in the Bible study and uh, told him, you know, what the doctor had said and how my shoulder was bothering. I said, we need to go up, I need to go up today and see the orthopedic surgeon. And Paul said... So whenever we got done with our Bible study, we always pray for people. And 
and he said a prayer for me and and uh so that about 11 o'clock i headed up to omaha well about halfway up there i was realizing that i was holding the steering wheel with both hands which i hadn't been able to do that because this arm i wasn't able to use and uh so anyway by the time i got up there there was no pain in the arm uh, i went in to see the orthopedic surgeon and he gets out my file and starts reading through it and and uh, he says well um, let me test some things on you and i said well i'm going to be like one of them cars that you take to the mechanic and when you get there it don't make the noise and it don't and it runs fine so anyway because i said my arm's not bothering me at all now so anyway he says well do this do this do this do this you know and and by the time we was done he said well i don't know there's nothing i can do for you he says you got full range of motion you don't have pain in it now uh he says you got plenty of strength in it he says there's nothing i can do for you he says if you want he says i'll write you a prescription for physical therapy but he said that's totally up to you so i chose not to uh and it's still <laughs> you know and of course paul said i told him what had happened and paul said well, we didn't really pray that hard. <laughs> but praise God. My, I mean, it, it, I mean, that's exciting to me. It really is exciting. And then one other story I'm going to share with you. My wife and I, we went down to Lake of the Ozarks a week ago. And I went out to shoot on Saturday. Was coming back and ran into a horrendous storm. I mean, it was raining so hard, you couldn't see nothing. It was hailing so hard. I mean, it sounded like I was in World War III hitting a car out there, the banging around on it. So I called her up, and I said, I'm in a mess out here. And she says, oh, it's terrible here, too. And I said, but, you know, I can't, I can't find a tree to get under. I says, I went to the overpass and tried to go ahead, and it was already full of cars. I couldn't get under it. So I says, I'm going to try to make it on in. And this, I just thought one of them hailstones was going to come through my sunroof or something and whack me on the head before I got there. I was walking in a little bit, not quite enough faith. But she instantly started praying for my safety, you know, because you couldn't see where you were driving and for the vehicle and stuff like that. I got back to the condo finally and parked. And it was still terrible, so I ran inside right quick. And after it was all over with... I mean, just think how much God loves us. I mean, just think about it. And he has a concern in each and every part of our life. But I went back out to the parking lot, and we just bought this car. It had less than 1,000 miles on it. And I walked around that thing, and I could not find a dent any place on it. Not, not one little speck. And I walked. I'm an insurance guy, so I walked through the rest of the parking lot, and the cars in that parking lot were just beat to pieces. I mean, I had this big F-250 pickup sitting right beside me. And the guy come out there and I says, well, you must have had a bunch of them dents on there before you got here. And he said, no, I didn't either. He said, that all happened. You know, God takes concern with our everyday life. I mean, we really should not be surprised whenever he does things like this. You know, we really should not. Because he has a concern about every part of our life, not just... Uh, this, you know, not just the spiritual part. He has a concern about every part. 
You know, and, and pastor's been preaching a lot about the Holy Spirit. I want to pull out a scripture here if I can find it right quick. Okay, I'm going to read you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to start at uh, verse 8. It says, For grace, by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. So our salvation really has nothing to do with us. It's by faith, and God gives us that faith for the salvation. You know, it's really not, a, not of us. It's, it's God doing all this. And he said, goes on to say, Not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are his, once we receive Christ, we are his workmanship. And we've been called that way from the very beginning, and we are called to do good works. What are good works? They're good works laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed. The eyes of the blind open, the, the lame walk, the, the deaf hear. These are good works. They're the captive set free. Then it goes on to say, For we also worship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we walk in them. It doesn't say walk in him, he says walk in them. We get whenever we get Jesus in our life, we don't get get Jesus, we get the full package. You know, we get Jesus, we get the Holy Spirit, we get God, we get the whole package. And each part of them has a, a part to play in our our life and we need to make sure that we use each and every part it's just like the body of Christ the body of Christ needs to work together so that we can get things accomplished but we need to walk in the compassion of Christ I mean think of Christ when he was hanging up there on that cross and nails going through his wrist and he was looking at us and he was saying I'll do it for them I'll do it for them you know, whenever he was getting whipped by the, the cat of nine tails across the back, it was ripping the flesh off of him. You know, he says, I love him. I love God. I got to go through this. I love him. You know, and, and he says many times in the Bible, it says, and he had compassion on him and healed them all. His compassion is what drove him to pray for healing for people. He had compassion on them. And then we walk, and we need to walk in the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is, you know, pastor's been preaching on for the last two weeks, but he gives you power. He gives you power, and he gives you fire. You know, them, them apostles, they couldn't preach to them people and stuff until the Holy Spirit came upon them. Then they preached a sermon like nobody ever preached before because they had the power. They had the Holy Spirit within them. We need to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to walk in the fire of the Holy Spirit. And then we need to walk in the wisdom of God. You know, one thing that God cannot do, he can't learn more because he knows it all. And so if we walk in the wisdom of God, can you imagine? You know, Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. Jesus said, I only do what I, my Father tells me to do. So the wisdom of God is infinite. And we have that at our fingertips. We have that at our fingertips, the wisdom of God. Because he conveys it to the 
Holy Spirit. We have the name of Jesus. You know, whenever the Bible says that, you know, that uh, when we were crucified on the cross with Christ, so it's no longer I to live, but Christ lived within me. So if Christ is living within me, and whenever I pray, you know, he said that, you know, you know one of these days you'll no longer pray to me. Or you'll never, you won't ask me of anything. You'll ask my Father in my name. So whenever we're asking God for something in Jesus' name, he's hearing Jesus. He's not hearing Jim. He's not hearing Pastor. He's hearing Jesus. Are we operating in that faith? Yes. February 16th, we had a really bad snowstorm. And on the 17th, I was taking Mason and Maylee to Lincoln with me, and we were going to go see the chiropractor. And we live three miles south of Highway 2. And every time we leave our house, I always, like, when we get in the car, we pray. And it's, it started a long time ago when I would take my kids to school. They would just bicker and fight. And I was so tired of it. You know, like, I'd pull up and we're all like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the principal's out there watching us, and we're at a little Christian school, and I'm like, oh. It's always so embarrassing to like yell at them as they're getting out of the car in front of the principal. So I just started praying every time we get in the car and then we, you know, I used to have the kids pray for each other. So as we're leaving on the 17th, I prayed audibly like, and I don't remember if it was me or Maylee. She's not in here. I'm pretty sure it was me, but I said, Lord, please protect us. And I, I do that. It's just habit now, but to claim the name of Jesus is a big deal and we do we i say like in the name of jesus and you know go before us be behind us left or right you know above and below so three miles we get to highway two and as i turn onto highway two it's it's pretty slushy and scary right and i'm i'm in the inside lane and i hit some snow and i realize it's veering me off into the next lane and i look over and oh my gosh there's this van and it has these two older ladies in it they're probably mid-70s and I almost hit them. And so they veer off, they end up in the slush, it turns them sideways, and I end up T-boning them. And we both skid into the median, and we end up in oncoming traffic on the other side. And I, you know, I'm talking to the kids the whole time, like, okay guys, you just be ready, okay guys, you just be ready. And we end up in this oncoming traffic, and we both, you know, both of us ladies are slamming it into reverse, trying to get out of traffic, and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, like I'm realizing I almost killed these ladies. And in the meantime, there was a semi behind us that almost ran us both over. And I'm thinking, we're sitting there and I'm just, you know, we're out, we're doing things, we're looking at the car, we're calling 911. I'm checking on these old ladies, I'm trying to check on my kids. Maylee's pretty shaken up. Mason just kind of downshifted into, you know, doing what he needed to do and it was awesome. So the, the sheriff deputy finally gets there and the kids and I are sitting in the car and we're just kind of taking in what's going on and Mason says, hey mommy, they have a Jesus fish on their car. And I look and their car says, you know, there's the Jesus fish there, but they also have this thing in the back and it says, God is my pilot. Is that what it said, Mace, back there? God is my pilot. And I immediately hop out of that car and I said, ladies, do you realize it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're alive today? And they're like, yes. And you know, we have this whole conversation about how it had to have be God. And the, you know, I was kind of, I probably had some PTSD from that, but it was, a, it was a holy and trembling fear of God because I said I should have died 
I should have killed somebody, like one of the five of us, or all of us, or that semi should have killed us, but by the power of God, we were saved. And like the holy fear and trembling of God that I know because we had him as our pilot, as we asked him by his spirit to keep us safe on the road, that that is what happened. Hallelujah. You know, I think, you know, whenever we come in here on Sunday mornings, we need to be a lot more expectant. Uh, we come in here, just sit down and sit and listen to a good sermon, but we need to take that sermon to heart because God really wants to work in our lives. He really wants to, I mean, there's, you know, you don't see it on the news anymore because the news don't broadcast stuff like that. But there are revivals that are springing up all over the United States. I mean, they're everywhere. There was five stadiums in California last week that was filled to the brim. And yeah, I never seen it on the news anyplace. They don't want people to know what God is capable of. They don't want to let them, you know... The devil's suppressing everything. They don't, he does not want the world to know that God is still alive and well. And he's really moving the young, young people right now because the young people for so long have not seen the power of God. All they've heard is the word. They've not seen the power of God. And we need him back in the church. I mean, he's here. But we need to let him go. You know, I, I just... How about Pastor and Amy come up here? Let's as a congregation... Uh, let's gather around them up here and let's just pray. Because I, I, I really believe that, that the anointing on Pastor has increased supernaturally here lately. But I don't believe that we're taking it in supernaturally. I mean, I, I really believe that that God has got huge plans for Grace Church. I believe that God has huge plans for Pastor and Amy. And we just need to ask God to bless that and bring it to fruitation. Because it's 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 important. Really, I mean... We are an important time. Very important time. And God's wanting to move, so we just we just need to go along with it. Father God, we just give you thanks right now. Father, we'd ask that you increase your anointing on Pastor Chris and on Amy. Father, we ask your protective hand to be up on Chris. We ask your protective hand to be up on Amy. We ask your protective hand to be up on Isaac, Josiah, uh, Ariana. Lord, you know, we, we know that, that whenever things start happening in the supernatural, uh, that we need to make sure to keep... You know, we just ask for, for angels. You say you give your angels charge over and protect them in all their ways, Father God. Right now, we just ask for those angels to be charged over them, to watch over them, to protect them, Lord God. Hallelujah. Father, we just give you thanks. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for pouring it out. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I would say if anybody's got anything they need, the hands laid on for healing this morning. I think the pastor feels like there's a fire burning in him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's just pray for him. Yes. Whatever it is, Lord, all things come in correction. Mm-hmm. That your life flows. We release the power. Lord, you said that the Father and you and you and him and then you and us. Lord, we thank you for that life flowing into this wrist. Into every part, Lord. Not just that, but into this wrist. All things coming into alignment. We rebuke all thoughts of doubt and anything that the enemy brings, but in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your power flowing. You said that when believers lay hands on the sick, they recover, Lord. We just stand on your word, and we thank you, Father. And we thank you, Father. All things made whole. All things made whole. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You know, an amazing scripture to me is Matthew eight seventeen. Uh, it says that uh, Jesus, when he went to the cross, he carried away all of our infirmities or our sins, and he took away all of our diseases. He took all those diseases away. So we don't need to invite them back. But he did give us a way out if we do invite them back by believers laying hands on you. Hallelujah. Anybody else need prayers? <laughs> I am supposed to have surgery on my neck and on my finger. I don't want either one. <laughs> Just, uh, I believe that even though I've been suffering in my neck for years, uh, I would have guessed it was your wife. <laughs> I was going the other way around with that. <laughs> loses his luster when I have to explain it. Gotta be a comedian. I know. I'm speechless. <laughs> I just asked for prayer for my neck. Yes, I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd like to see the healing of that and, and show the doctor. Thank you, Jesus. Never mind. We thank you, Jesus, for your power. I believe in your power. Believers lay hands. That's what we're doing. Lord. We're just being obedient. I thank you for your life flowing into his body right now. The power of the Holy Spirit, making all things right. Lord, whatever's going on, you know we don't. Everything coming right, Lord. Every vertebrae, every tendon, every ligament, every muscle. Thank you, Jesus, for that. For your power flowing through us right now. We release your power. Release your anointing. We release your spirit. Just fill him up. Make him whole. In every part, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you that we can just count on your word. It's your promises. Oh, we thank you for your promises. Jesus. Jesus. Anybody else? It's sweet. (laughs) Okay. Well, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Just flow into her right now. Release that power. Yes, they must come online. They must be in order. Yes, Hallelujah. You said you carried away all of our diseases. We don't want them back. That's right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Believers lay 
sickness or into recovery. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You're the enemy now, Jesus. You must go. You must go now, Jesus. You have no rights. In Jesus' name, you go. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Just don't be surprised when God does something for you. And don't be don't be shy to tell people about it when God does something. I mean, we should be. You know, it says for the glory of God. Whenever God does something in our life, we need to tell about it. Mm-hmm. By the word of our testimony. Get ready. Tell him the Spirit's going to move. Just be ready. Be praying. Be expecting. Well, we'll let you go home now. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.